Hello, hello, hello. This is Carson Reeds. I should have got out the piano this time. I am actually this time sitting in my room, so the piano was right there. But too late already. Maybe next time. <laughs> um. Okay, so welcome to Carson Reeds. I already said that. This is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> Because as you know, if you listen to my last one, I was like, it's not going to take me more than a week to get up that voice recording. And here we are. It's already been more than two weeks. So here's my thoughts. And I've already finished my next book and the book after that. It's kind of like, you know, well, at least for me personally, when I finish a book, the very last thing that I want to do is go onto Goodreads and enter my review. Or like, I don't even know. I just, I just want to read to read. I don't want it to be more than that. I don't want it to be homework. I don't want it to feel burdensome or something that I feel like I have to do is like turn around and go to Goodreads. And this is, that's the reason that I don't have Goodreads. I know that some of you have asked, but it's like, when I finish a book, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't want to go to Goodreads. And also Goodreads is like an ugly app and like it, the way that it works, just like, I can't even look at it. So... My idea with this, because this is kind of turning into the same thing as Goodreads, it's like, oh, the last thing I want to do is turn around and go and record this and upload it. Because, I don't know, it just takes time, it takes effort. And of course, everything takes time and effort, but I don't know. I don't know. So what I'm trying to say here is that I think I'm going to make the episode shorter. I started out making one, and I was like, they're all going to be 15 minutes-ish. And then I turn around and then that was 30 minutes long. So I'm just, I feel like now there's like an expectation that it has to be that long and it really doesn't. It's literally whatever I want to do. And so it's going to be a little shorter. So if that means that the review isn't as in depth, then that's what it means. So forgive me, but also I know none of you care that much. So I'm just going to do this. This is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. So between the last episode I recorded and this one, I have heard that people think that this, the East of Eden book by John Steinbeck, is, quote, this is a quote that I heard, the easiest classical read, end quote. I actually don't know if that quote is accurate. I just made that up. I didn't make that up, but they were like, it is the easiest, like, classic literature book to read. And I've also heard, since the last episode that I recorded, that East of Eden was an easier read than The Grapes of Wrath. And you want to know what? Maybe we read, like, a different book, because I did not, I do not think either of those two things. But I also feel like maybe that's because my expectations going into East of Eden were warped. I thought, there, here were my thoughts on East of Eden. I thought that the entire book was a mirror of the Old Testament, but that it took place, well, not the whole Old Testament, like the story of Cain and Abel, the story of Adam and Eve, you know, East of Eden. I thought that it was a mirror of those two stories, except placed in 1800s California. That's wrong. That's not it. There are some portions and like some big bits that take from like the vision 
I don't know why I said vision. Take from the story of Adam and Eve and of Cain and Abel, and they put them in this story to drive home like a point. For example, there's like two sets of twins. There's Aaron and Cal, and then Aaron and Cal's dad was also a twin. Um, And both of their names started with an A and a C. So it's like Cain and Abel, you know, like follows that through the whole way. And, um, let me, okay, so the dad's names, the dads of the twins also, so the twins are sons of this guy named Adam, and Adam's brother is named Charles. Anyway, I just couldn't remember that for a second, so. I'm going to read now the foreword by the author. It's addressed to somebody named Pat. I decided that I love these because I think it does a good job at framing the book in the mindset of the author at this time. And this says, Dear Pat, you came upon me carving some kind of little figure out of wood and said, why don't you make something for me? I asked what you wanted and you said, a box. What for? To put things in. What things? Whatever you have, you said. Well, here's your box. Nearly everything I have is in it and it is not full. Pain and excitement are in it and feelings of and feeling good or bad and evil thoughts and good thoughts the pleasure of design and some despair and the indescribable joy of creation and on top of these are all the gratitude and love i have for you and still the box is not full so after reading that and after having read the book you can totally tell like this is this is his offering you know it has everything in it Everything that he has is in it. And I just love that. It is 600 pages full of everything that he's feeling. And I know that his life, um, John Steinbeck's life was not easy at all. He went through a couple divorces. He lost both of his parents, I think like 15 years before he wrote this book. (coughs) Maybe not a full 15, but somewhere around there, 10 maybe. And, um you can really like see like this book has so much substance and even if we don't understand or get all of it it's okay because it's not ours it's john steinbeck's book you know it's his we don't have to get it he gets it you know but he and he's like inviting us to look into the box to look into the everything that he has which i think is is wonderful um and so I think the book, I went through and picked out just one quote that I think summarizes this book. And in John Steinbeck's eyes, there are there's just one story. He says, on page 413, he says, We have only one story. All novels, all poetry are built upon, are built on the never-ending contest in ourselves of good and evil. And it occurs to me that evil must constantly respawn while good, while virtue is immortal. Vice has always a new, fresh, young face while virtue is venerable as nothing else in the world is. So it's just, it's just a classic book of good versus evil. And I was talking um, with somebody about this book. This is um, Jess, if you're listening to this, this is Jessica Sullivan's, (laughs) her favorite book of all time. Her last name's not Sullivan anymore. That's why I'm laughing. Um, But... Yeah, so she was the one that that recommended this book to me, and I hopped on it. 
And um, we were talking and um, she goes, have you ever read the, I mean, have you ever listened to the song In the Blood by John Mayer? And I said, no, I hadn't up to that point. I love John Mayer, but I feel like I'm kind of like a beginner John Mayer listener. <laughs> she says, go and listen to it and tell me what you think um, as it like correlates to this book. And in it, the the song by John Mayer, it's just talking about how much am I like my mother? How much am I like my father? Um, is it in the blood? You know, and I think that that totally mirrors the message here of East of Eden, because both of the twins, I said that I was going to make this shorter. <laughs> it's just not going to be shorter. The twins, the whole story, I wish I could just like dive right into it without spoiling so much. The whole story is that there's two twins, um, Cal and Aaron, and Aaron is just like his father, just like Adam. He's so good natured and he's so, um, I don't know. He's just, he's just a man for the people. People love him. He loves the people and he's just so good. And then there's Cal and, um, Cal is more like his, um, mother, Kathy, and also like his, uh, Adam's twin brother, Charles. And they're not like Adam. They're kind of manipulative. They're a little bit off. I wouldn't say evil, but like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like the whole premise of the story is that you can choose good or evil. I'm going to read right now, actually, the portion of this book that sums it all up the best it is on page 301 there's this character named lee and lee is like he does everything for the trask family the trask family moves from connecticut i think to california and lee um is there and just helps them with literally everything and his role in the book is honestly just to like voice kind of to the audience, but also to the Trasks, kind of like the main messages or like the themes of the book and how and why they're there. And so he's talking about the Bible with, um, I think he's actually talking with Samuel. Samuel is one of the friends that Adam Trask makes while he's in California. And he says, he's comparing versions of the Bible in the part uh, with Cain and Abel, and he's talking about the different versions of the Bible. He reads, he's reading to um, his friends here, Sam, right? Yeah, Mr. Hamilton, it says. It says, um, then, oh, then I compared the translations we have and they were fairly close. There was one, there was only one place that bothered me. The King James Version says this. It is when Jehovah has asked Cain why he's angry. Jehovah says, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And thou, and oh, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. It was the thou shalt that struck me, because it was a promise that Cain would conquer sin. Blah, 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 blah. And it says, then I got a copy of the American Standard Bible. It was very new then, and it was different in this passage. It says, do thou rule over him. Now, this is very different. This is not a promise. It is an order. And I began to stew upon, stew about it. 
I wondered what the original word of the original writer has been that these very different translations uh, could be made. Bah, 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 bah. And he starts talking about the difference between these two. And it says, don't you see? Because um, he gets from the Bible. The Hebrew word, I guess, was this word called timshel. Timshel. And it means thou mayest. Thou mayest rule over sin. Um. And it's, they ask him, Samuel says, why is this so important? He says, Lee says, don't you see the American Standard Translation orders men to triumph over sin and you call sin ignorance. The King James Translation makes a promise in thou shalt, meaning that men will surely triumph over sin. But the Hebrew word, the word timshul, thou mayest, that gives a choice. And it might be the most important word in the world. That says the way is open, that throws it right back on a man. For if thou mayest, it is also true that thou mayest not. Don't you see? So this book kind of revolves around Timshel, around thou mayest, which is so genius. And you get to see that neither Cal or Adam, no, or Aaron are trapped in who they think or who they're expected to be. But they really can choose. At the end of the day, you can always choose um, either good or evil. These two forces that are that are clashing. Um, and so, yeah, I would definitely recommend this book. I'm going to end my little like uh, summary right now, the spoiler list summary of the book before I jump into a little bit of the review Hopefully it's shorter than 14 minutes. I thought I was going to be done by now, but you know me, I'm just a chatterbox. Uh, I would totally recommend this book. I already know that I need to reread it. Now that I know, now that I'm more prepared as to what it really is, like, I don't know. There's a part of the story where Adam starts selling um, refrigerated lettuce <laughs> across the United States. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what part of the Bible is this in? What is this trying to compare I don't know. I was just trying to like, I was thinking about it too deeply. I wasn't letting the story just be a story. And I need to do that next time I read it because there definitely will be a next time. Um, so yes, I would go read it. It's not an easy read by all means. It's, it took me a fairly long time, but that's also because I was just dumb in my way that I was going about reading it. I wanted to understand every word and then every word wasn't making sense. And I don't know. Anyway, go read it. 601 pages, I think. John Steinbeck, East of Eden. Incredible. Now on to a little bit more of a deep dive, not too much more. Um, I just wanted to talk about kind of the parts that stuck out to me the most. First of all, I liked there was a there was a part here at the beginning where it talks. It's on page 20. It talks about adults and how when a children grows up when a child grows up they see them fall they see them fall from heaven it says when a child first catches adults out the gods are fallen and all safety gone it is a tedious job to build them up again they never quite shine and the child's world is never quite whole again it is an aching kind of growing and i just think that that also because in this book you read through like three generations of people you have even adam and um charles's dad cyrus and 
I don't know. You just like how the ch- how the children are raised makes all the difference as to the person that they become. Not every difference because of course the child can choose. Um but it's just interesting to see that. And I've kind of seen it in myself like my parents are are imperfect and I've had to just come to realize that. Not not super recently. I'm like well, I'm 22 years old. It hasn't been like this. Oh my gosh, my parents are imperfect. But I just remember in high school thinking you know, maybe my parents, um, they're still just trying to figure it out like I am. Um, the most impactful part of this book for me, maybe not the most, I'm not going to put, is it a superlative? Not superlatives on anything, not the most, because I hate those. I hate those labels. Anyway, it doesn't matter. When um, Adam and Charles bring Cyrus a gift, you know, and this is also Cain and Abel reference, when Adam brings him a dog and Charles brings him a pocket knife. Oh, wait, is it the other way around? Why can I not remember? No, it is the other way around. Adam brings him a pocket knife and Charles brings him the dog as their, like, gifts to their father. And Cyrus is always seen using the knife and he doesn't even like the dog at all. And um, Charles goes into, like, this frenzy he almost kills his brother like it is the most graphic description of a beating that i have ever read in my life and cyrus starts talking with um adam and it's like why did this happen why did he do this to you and adam goes he doesn't think you love him also let me see the part when Kathy gives birth. Okay, so back up. Charles, Kathy is insane. She's the worst person ever. And Adam marries her. They get married. They're going to move to California to start their life over. And before they go, Charles sleeps with her. Okay? She gets pregnant. Of course, she has to. Like, it's that's just how books go. She tries to abort the baby. It doesn't happen. So she, oh, and at the same time, Adam and her have a baby like almost like the same night I guess and they're in two separate like eggs (laughs) I don't know how it works I don't know all of the biology but she gives two birth to two different boys from two different fathers at the same time and that is where Cal and Aaron come from and the part when she gives birth I'm sorry like it like, she truly hates hates her children. She hates Adam. She is just the most unsettling, like, portion of the book, probably. Um, And then Adam is, like, trying to, like, grapple. Uh, obviously, the marriage does not last. She literally hates him. She, like, shoots him with a gun and runs away. She lives in this brothel in the town. And eventually, she's the one that's running it. And, um... Adam is talking with his friend Samuel that he makes in California. And he's like, she, he asks him, he's like, was she very beautiful, Samuel? And because he's just trying, like trying to remember his wife. And he goes, to you, she was because you built her. I don't think you ever saw her, only your creation. And then Adam goes, I wonder who she was, what she was. I was content not to know. And so it's like, I don't know, just like our perception of people 
wild wild we just like create those and generate those um blah 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 one thing about the story this book is that there are so many like little blips in like the story like for example there will be a part when like this is the part just that i wrote down um but there are so many of them scattered throughout and i think this is part of the reason why i thought this book was a hard read even though it isn't wasn't will not be um is because there are so many like little stories that don't carry any significant value okay the way that i said that makes it sound wrong but like this the one that i have written down um it talks about when lee is telling his story to adam and in the book it describes when lee gets up and walks out of the room to get himself a glass of water and then come back and finish his story and it's like you did not need to put that in there like what significance did that have i honestly still have no idea but those are in there and like i feel like all the chapters end in like unsatisfying ways they just kind of like cut off and i don't know and it's like starting it again like the chapters as well start in like choppy places so you like have to like jog your memory as to like what's happening who's talking and who's doing what i don't know anyway that's just that's just me though um also the part when cal tries to buy adam's love him and this guy named will hamilton they like go together in this like bean business and they start like um, making money from these beans and on thanksgiving he gives it to his dad um all the cash because his dad like i said earlier tries to run this like shipping lettuces refrigerated lettuces lettuce heads over the country it fails obviously he loses all of his money and so cal tries to buy his father's love and gives him gives him the money and oh it's just so terrible and when he presents him the money he's like no i won't want it for you ever i would have been happy if you could have given me well what your brother has pride in the thing he's doing gladness in his progress money even clean money doesn't stack up with that um and then he says have i made you angry don't be angry if you want to give me a present give me a good life that would be something i could value oh my just like so crushing and yeah the whole i wish like the story is so big it can't even fit into one podcast i don't think because at this point in the story, Cal knows that his mom is still alive, that she ran away and is living in a brothel, but Aaron does not. And um, Cal is wondering whether or not he should tell his brother. I think he tells Lee, he's like, should I tell um, Aaron? And Lee's like, you know that that would kill him. So like, emphasis on kill, you know, Cain killed Abel, and this is the way that cal killed aaron um he tells him and yeah he later does end up dying not from not from finding out but yeah just literally crazy um one last quote that i want to read before i close this down i talked for way too long sorry about it um it says suddenly aaron broke down he says, you're growing up. This is Lee, I think, talking to him. You're growing up. Maybe that's it. Sometimes I think the world tests us most sharply then, and we turn inward and watch ourselves with horror. 
but that's not the worst. We think everybody is seeing into us. And so it's just people trying to figure out who they really are and what they're wanting to be. And these lies, life like throws these tests at us and it feels like we're breaking, breaking down and we feel like everybody can see into us, but nobody really can. That's just the perception. And I don't know, powerful. Okay, quick vocab, and then I'll end this. Um, inimical? I-N-I-M-I-C-A-L. <laughs> means tending to obstruct. And then stultifying means causing to lose enthusiasm. There were other vocab words in this book that I didn't write down because obviously... We, like, almost didn't speak the same language 150 years ago, you know? But, anyway. Um, was it 150? I can't even remember. 1842? No. <laughs> Literally 50, 70 years ago. Um, and then the end here says... Um, so they learn that... Okay, so Adam and Charles, taking it back in time now, learn that their father Cyrus may have inherited his money, all of his money, through thievery, through, like, stealing it. And um, Adam goes, I don't believe that he was a liar. And then his brother Charles goes, but the papers, like, look at the papers. And Adam goes, I won't look at the papers. Papers are no match at all for the faith, for my faith in my father. Um... And I think a lot can be said about that, you know, like there are so many, there's another quote in this book. It's like, there's so many evidences that God does not exist, but in a lot of people, those evidences aren't, aren't greater than the, than the personal evidences that they have that he does exist. And I don't know. I think that's powerful. Anyway, I'm going to end this, but it's a great book. I'm definitely going to reread it again. So you might see this on the podcast later on in life but yeah everybody remember tim shul remember that thou mayest you're not commanded and you're not promised anything well (laughs) you are commanded some things but you can always choose not to thou mayest tim shul